This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Wiggins now puts it on the deck, backs down Brunson, shoveled up top to Draymond, takes a three. Good! Draymond from downtown! 105-96. Now back to Warriors this week on 95.7 The Game. Hour number two, John Dickinson, Whitey Gleason. Uh, rough night for Draymond Green last night in the Warriors game two victory over the Mavs, but a big shot there in the fourth quarter. And as Draymond always says, Whitey, he's he's here to make them come, mm-hmm. come playoff time. And, and that was a... <laughs> That was a big one. Uh, pushed the lead up to nine as the Warriors got a little bit of separation from the Mavs after taking the lead right at the beginning of the fourth quarter. Speaking of making shots, one of the things that was so nice to see last night, you know, when Steph came back in the game, fourth quarter, Warriors have a lead. The game is starting to tilt their way. Uh, I was thinking, boy, you just, you know, you take care of your business here. You make your free throws and you win this thing. And they made their free throws last night, J.D. Wasn't that nice to see the Warriors last night uh, made 20 of 25. And I think they made, I think they, in the fourth quarter, boy, they shot the ball really well. Fourth quarter, they made seven, eight of nine, eight of nine in the fourth quarter. So we know that's been a little bit of an issue, nothing major, but it has been a little bit of a concern. And the Warriors last night, where they took care of the business, Draymond making that big three when he needed to in the fourth quarter, and the Warriors making their free throws down the stretch and cutting down on turnovers, huge factors in that big win and the big comeback. Yeah, the Warriors up two games to none. We got some numbers on uh, all time, what it means to be ahead two games to zero, although the Mavericks know better than anybody from their last series against Phoenix that, that they probably mm-hmm. believe that they can they can still come back because they, they just did it. So 888-957-9570. Let's keep it rolling on the phone lines. Bruce in Berkeley next here on 95.7 The Game. Hey, Bruce. Hey, guys. Yeah, what a great show you guys are putting on today. I mean, you've covered pretty much all my points as I've been driving, and, and most of the callers, most of them have been right on. So... Let me bring up, I'm going to bring up two points that you haven't covered in a moment, but before I do that, you know, I agree with what you're saying about Moody. He's incredibly mature for 19, and I think he is a 3 and D style, and I'm all for it. I've been pushing myself to get Moody into the games even when they were playing Memphis. But we got to cut Damian Lee some slack over here, right? He's coming off the bench. He knows he gets only about five misses, five minutes. If he misses one shot or two at the most, He's getting pulled out of the game. So 
can't give him such a hard time over here, okay? And and here are my two points. One, so Looney, uh, he's a, I mean, obviously he's a, he's a super fan favorite, right? I mean, he's beloved, but he's much more skilled than most people appreciate. They look at his game now and they think that's what Looney is. But you know what? He deserves an enormous amount of respect because people don't seem to understand where he came from. When he was coming out of high school, I'm not saying he's KD, but his game was styled in the like of a KD, right? That was his game. That was his body type. But those injuries that he got, those were some serious injuries. And that guy, it forced him. He completely changed his body type. He completely changed his game. And so, you know, he's pretty amazing in that regard. He gets all the respect from Warrior fans and you guys and Steve Kerr loves him for all those reasons because he knows it, right? But I notice he gets some disrespect from the other team players. I see him roll their eyes. I hear them comment after the post game about what, you know, what do you think about Looney's 20 rebounds, and they kind of blow it off. But that guy is incredible. And finally, the one thing I wanted to ask you guys, which hasn't been brought up, and maybe it hasn't, I missed it, is what's the deal with the Mavericks uh, on the bench and being on the floor during the game? You know, I don't understand how the refs are allowing that, right? And I, I don't know what the rules are because, you know, the Warriors are pulling down. I mean, Steph threw it to one of their players at some point, and he's intentionally, in my opinion, wearing a white sweater, right? Right. But, you know, after they're, they're hanging out on the floor. I mean, their toes, their feet, they're all over the place. So I don't know what the rules are with that. Thanks, guys. Yeah, appreciate it, Bruce. Uh, the one thing I'll tell you on that, and it, it has been a, a bone of contention uh, for the Mavs and, and with the league, they've been fined twice for that. In, including for bench just decorum, of, yeah. Yes, yeah, for their bench, for bench decorum. decorum. Yeah. And, and being you know in, in areas where they're not supposed to be. And I know Jason Kidd kind of mocked the fine a little bit, kind of real casually, sarcastically, uh, you know, we'll we'll have to get some clarity on on what exactly we we did that was wrong, and also who who uh, basically who turned us in, who who ratted us out, and almost implying that the Suns had complained about it after they had lost the series. That was my kind of take on it. But they got fined twenty five thousand dollars on May sixth for it, and then fifty thousand dollars on Tuesday for Game Seven uh, in in Phoenix. And so it has been a thing, and the league has been all over it. But as far as in-game, you know, there hasn't been anything that would warrant necessarily a, a technical foul or, or a delay a game or, or, or anything like that. But the league has been handling it, Whitey, after a couple of these yes. games that they've played and a couple of games that they've played on the road. In an effort to answer Bruce's question, statement from the league office, according to ESPN, Cited, and this was what they were fined for in Game 7 against the Suns, multiple occasions when several players and members of the coaching staff stood away from the team bench and were on or encroaching upon the playing court during the victory. And as you said, Jason Kidd and the Mavs are trying to you know brush it off like, oh, what's the big deal? The league is, I think Jason Kidd said, they're worried about the wrong things. But I think it was mentioned on the telecast last night when you've got, say, Jordan Poole. There was one play last night. He was over there on the sideline. And if you got Mavericks players and they're right there and they're standing almost on the court, you don't have a landing zone. And then I also think it was, you know, if I were the Warriors, I would complain like, hey, the guy's wearing white. Okay, fine. If you're going to wear white, you can't stand almost on the court. <laughs> like just, you're a, like you know, you're a sixth yeah. player. 
Yes, yes. <laughs> so I'm sure they're going to look into that. It does seem a little ticky-tacky, but it's really not, especially when, when player safety becomes part of it. That, yeah, that, that's it was Tim Hardaway Jr. who was wearing – so it was not only was it a – you know, it was not only was it just a player wearing the white, but yeah, the pass that you mentioned, it it looked like Steph was throwing it right to him for a corner yeah, three. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. And then <laughs> I think Hardaway was like, like showing his shirt, like, ha, oh, I gotcha, I gotcha, because of my white white sweat. Yeah, if you're gonna wear a white sweater, fine, but you can't stand on the court wearing a white sweater. Yeah, no, no, no question. As far as Kavon Looney what are goes, what you doing? You know, we had the. Uh, I, I think we've shared, and, and Alan Styles get, gets credit for this because he shared it with me. The Kavon Looney High School mixtape, and Bruce is right on. And, and like, I watched it, and I think I passed it along to you. And, and Styles and I were kind of joking about it a couple of shows we did a few weeks back. But if you watch this Kavon Looney High School mixtape from his senior year, he does look like. Kevin Durant in, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, you know, the dribble drive, pull up jumpers. Like you're thinking, man, like, wow. Kevon Looney in, in high school in, in the Milwaukee area was, was kind of nice. Yeah. And he had, of his 12 rebounds last night, five of them were offensive rebounds. That's huge. He reminds me in a way there's dissimilar players, but speed wise, you know, Kyle Anderson is slow-mo and Kevon Looney. Sometimes it's almost like he's a little slow-mo. I think he's gotten a little quicker, but he is very smart and he's, and he's very skilled. And I think it's just the warriors, the way they traditionally with their centers, they don't ask much from them that then when a guy gets a chance to shine and Looney shows what he can do, I think there's a little bit of a denial on the part of the other team. Who's that guy? How's he doing that? And as we've said, I mean, and this was in the Dallas morning news after game one, Kevon Looney right now is a problem for the Mavericks that they didn't think they were going to have to deal with. 888-957-9570. John Dickinson, Whitey Gleason here on Warriors this week on 95.7 The Game. Let's get uh, Manuel in Dublin next here on the phone lines. Hey, Manuel, how are you? Great. How you guys doing, man? Great show as always, man. I mean, you can't get enough Warrior talk. Hey, uh, two things. If Draymond hits that second three in a row, I can't imagine. That's, the roof's got to come off the top of, <laughs> off of the new bit. I couldn't believe he went for that second three. I was going great. Hey, I know you guys won't, don't like to do this, and I know, I know you're going to I know, I, I'm, I'm thinking the, uh, Boston's going to get by, by the heat. I think, uh, to, of course, tomorrow's critical. But let's just say you put your crystal ball hat on, you look in your hocus-pocus magic potion here. If the Warriors play Boston, how do we match match up against Boston. How do we how do how do we get by with their with their defense to get to the are we gonna are we gonna is it gonna be a, is this an all out fight? I, I just I just I'm excited. I one game at a time gotta win tomorrow but just give me a couple seconds on how you would see that series. Sure. Thank you guys. Yeah Manuel you got look if I'm a Warrior fan I'm rooting for Miami. Now I don't think Miami's gonna win the series. I think Boston is the the better team, especially when they are whole and they got Marcus Smart and Al Horford back, and that series now 1-1. I know Kyle Lowry's going to try and play, it sounds like, tonight. So we'll see uh, if he holds up. They they lost P.J. Tucker. I mean, I feel like they've been kind of going on fumes for, for you know, as this run has gone on for them, almost like they're kind of hanging on by a thread. Uh, so just you know, maybe a quick take on the series. And as far as the matchups, though, I think Boston is by far the more difficult matchup for the Warriors. They have the length 
and the defensive. They have multiple. Basically, everybody that plays for them, except for Peyton Pritchard, is a is a quality defender among their their rotation players. They have. Tatum and Brown and Smart, the defensive player of the year. Robert Williams is back. Like they they have a lot of players that that can defend and and defend Steph and Clay and Poole potentially even at the same time with the regular guys that play a lot of minutes. That is a difficult, difficult matchup. Here's another thing. We know the Warriors at times this year have reminded us of 2015. So is Al Horford, right? I mean, Al Horford at times in this postseason mm-hmm. is like, my goodness, where where did that come from? Yeah, Boston is scary. As anybody who remembers the game in which, you know, Steph got hurt uh, knows. And Robert Williams III uh, is a real – he's an excellent rim protector. I think – what that one of the interesting things about that series, if it comes to that, and we saw a little bit in game two, the Heat and, and the Celtics, what are they going to do at center? Can Robert Williams III stay on the floor? If the Warriors force him off the floor, they go to Grant Williams, who's kind of a non-traditional. He's played center, I think, in college. Um, that's what they did in game two, and they had a lot of success. So that'd be something as far as a chess match goes. But yeah, they got and they got Tice. So Boston has some centers that could give the Warriors issues i think if it gets to boss i think boston by far would be by far jd in my opinion would be the best team that the warriors will face if they meet them in the finals i think boston is by far better than anybody they've seen to this point yeah if if miami were to get by boston that would be a tremendous win for the warriors i i feel like the warriors would beat i I feel like the warriors would beat miami in five i i really do boston I think that's a seven-game series, and the Warriors would be in danger of losing it, especially if the Celtics are completely whole. Now, with with Williams back and with Marcus Smart back and Al Horford back, their nine-man rotation is, to your point, I think as good as anybody that, that the Warriors would face. No question about it. Yeah, and you got Pritchard knocking down threes. They're real deep. Jalen Brown, and I think Tate, I know – some people have been saying, "Hey, uh, Luca's best player left in the in the postseason." I think Tatum is the best player left in the postseason. So we'll see if it if it comes to that. But I think that would be a terrific series. That's really, I think that that's really the series that I'm hoping for. Both teams have a lot of pizza left in the box, a lot of work to do. But a Boston Warrior final, I think, would be. There's every chance it'd be one for the absolute ages. And the Celtics, the the younger team, but and and young with some playoff experience, not not getting all the way to the finals, but they've been in the conference finals that that young group a couple of times. They've also won playoff series. They've lost playoff series, uh, and they've been elite defensively, really for the whole yeah. year, but especially since since January. And the Warriors got a taste of that. Completely mm-hmm. different team. The second time when the Warriors faced them back in March in the game where, where Curry got hurt, and they were they were putting it on the Warriors yep. in that game. Like Steph got hurt, and it kind of became the Steph got hurt game. Uh, but the Ma- I'm sorry, but the Celtics were dominating and stifling the Warriors mm-hmm. in that game. Yeah, you remember Robert Williams the third just dominant as a rim protector. I mean, that was when I, I think that was like the best game I'd seen him play. It was a real eye-opener. Of course, he got hurt. He's been dealing with a meniscus injury. But in that Warrior game, I mean, he was just having none of it. You're going to bring the ball to the basket? Like, with Robert Williams in the game, if the Warriors face him, they're not going to be able to get to the basket the way they've been getting to the basket against the Mavs. It would be night and day in the next round. 
888-957-9570. John Dickinson, Whitey Gleason here, 95.7 The Game. Mark Medina is going to join us here coming up uh, at, at 1030. I know Mark had, had wrote uh, a piece about Kavon Looney that, that was really good. We were talking about it a little bit before the show. So we'll get uh, Mark's thoughts on, on the job that Kavon Looney has done as far as transforming his body and really getting himself back into position to where he could play in all 82 games and be a factor that, that can hold up and withstand the rigors of not only a long season, but a long postseason where the Warriors are, are effectively asking him to be a, a big-time big man, and he's been up to the task. It's a remarkable story. Looking forward to talking to Mark Medina about that. Especially remarkable for Warrior fans who remember, as most Warrior fans do, everything that Kevon Looney went through in that gap year where he'd had, what, two surgeries and he was having neuropathy and you could see him out there struggling sometimes just to jump up and put the ball in the basket as he did so expertly at the end of the, was at the end of the half last night? Anyway, he really was struggling. There were really legitimate questions about whether Kevon Looney had an NBA future health-wise and now here we are talking about MVP, MVP. And, I mean, it's almost unthinkable that the Warriors would not bring him back next year, right, J.D.? Unrestricted free agent. A lot of issues money-wise. You got Wiggins, I think, eligible for an extension and Jordan Poole. But it's hard to imagine them looking at Kevon Looney and saying, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think he's necessary. Well, I, I look at it, and one of the things I jotted down as, as a macro topic for, for today is, you know, if the Warriors win this thing, is there more of an incentive or a necessity, however you want to put it, Whitey, to keep the band together and run it back and Looney's a big part of that Jordan Poole obviously is going to get a major extension in all likelihood would Andrew Wiggins follow or do you play out the the final year of of his contract and then see where you're at a year from now and Otto Porter Jr. I think is is also somebody that that may have other opportunities to get paid elsewhere but he's been so important to this run that the Warriors have have been on this season that I think if, if you had your your pick, you'd, you'd really want to keep them all at this point and then continue to maybe pepper in some more minutes for, for Moses Moody and, and Jonathan Kaminga potentially in maybe some of the, the time that would have gone to an Iguodala or, you know, Peyton. Peyton the second's another one. You know, while yeah. uh, we've kind of forgotten about him a little bit because he's been injured, but would there be more of an incentive in your mind to try and keep everybody if you win the title? Yeah, and here's the beauty of that approach if it comes to that, J.D. It's interesting, as you talked about the young players. I mean, there's one pretty prominent young player that we haven't even talked about, uh, but that's the beauty of it. it you know, in sports, I'm a big believer in, I think we saw it with the Suns this year, you have to, no matter who you are, you got to do something to get better. You know, year to year, if you're going to basically bring back the same group, good luck because everyone else is getting better no matter how good you are. And I think to a degree that cut up to Phoenix a little bit this year. So if you're the Warriors and, okay, if you bring everybody back, that's okay because of the young players you have, you're going to get better just by virtue of the fact if everything goes the way you, you, you hope and plan, Kuminga will be better. Moody will be better. 
Pool may be better too. And Wiseman. So you could bring back the same group, but still have built in improvement there because you, you've been blending these two timelines. So I think that would make that, you know, bring everybody back more palatable because in a way you bring everybody back, but there's still every reason to expect that a handful of your young players are going to be better next year than they were this year. Now, I think that's a great point and something worth maybe further discussion here as we roll toward 1 o'clock. Matt in San Rafael, back to the phones here on Warriors This Week. Hey, Matt. Hey, guys. Um, so, a couple things. First, I fear the Celtics more than any other team, as you guys have mentioned. I know you guys want them, want to see that series if they get past Dallas, but I want the Heat because I think that the Celtics, quite honestly, are probably going to win that series unless we get Peyton back, because I don't know who the dub, maybe Wiggins is, is quick enough to guard Tatum, but I don't know that they have anyone that can really, really stick with Tatum. The thing I wanted to comment on, aside from what they're going to do next year, or ask you guys, you talked about it a little bit, because I, I don't think they can keep anyone. They're going to be so far over the, the cap that it's going to be prohibitive, even though they're printing money at this point. I just don't see how they do it. But the bigger question I have is, what do they do with Clay Thompson? Because I love him, one of my all-time favorite players. But watching him try to defend last night, he is nothing. And maybe he'll get there. But right now, he is nothing like the player he used to be on defense. He could not guard Luka, who is not a particularly fast player. He's very skilled. But he couldn't even keep, his, keep up with him foot-wise, which is something that Looney could do, and that concerned me. Well, I think the move as far as Clay goes is he's got two more years on his contract, and so you got to play it out, and you got to see where he's at this time next year with an off season, and and does some of his his game bounce back a little bit, in particular on the on the defensive side. Is he a better offensive player, more efficient, more consistent next year? Does that help maybe mitigate some of the defensive deficiencies? Does he get his defensive game back? Uh, although I would I would imagine it's pretty tough to do that, Whitey. Uh, just a quick thought on on Clay. I mean, there's no move other than he's making forty point six next year right. and forty three point two the following year. I mean, yeah. you got to keep it, him and ride it out. It, it's a good point. Last night there were only three Warriors who were uh, negative plus minus Draymond and Damian Lee and and Clay Thompson. But I'll just say this real quick to the caller's point, and it's a great point. We saw it. Steve Kerr went away from that after two possessions last night. It's like, nope, Clay can't guard Luka. It's possible that even without the injuries, it's possible uh, given the mileage and, and the fact that he's older. Clay, even without the injuries right now, he might not be what he once was defensively. So that's neither here nor there except for the fact that you're right. He may never be that defender again, but um, so you, you can't rely on him. to You know, like he used to chase Kyrie Irving around in the finals every year. Clay's days doing that are probably gone, but he's, he's still got an awful lot um, to provide. And I think for proof of that, just look at the fact that Dallas last night, they're glued to Clay. They don't give Clay an inch to breathe. They're all over him, all over the perimeter because they don't want to see him get going. Austin and San Jose want to sneak you in here before we have Mark Medina. Austin, we got about a minute for you here. What's uh, what's on your mind, my brother? All right, buddy. Hey, fellas, good 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 uh, show as always. Listen, real quick, uh, Looney man, I'm I'm gonna get me a Looney jersey, man. He's fantastic. Uh, they got to bring him back, uh, Whitey. I don't know about bringing everybody back, as you said, but listen, they're paying Weissman twelve million dollars. He's not on the court. Uh, there's a couple other guys. I mean, you can you can spread that money around. I think the Warriors got some tough decisions to make. But those are good to say. Let's win, this, let's win the championship this year, though, before we get down that road. But as far as bringing everybody back, no. And how about Kerr? 
You know, I've been critical of Coach Kerr, but I got to give him his props, man. The adjustments that he made uh, last night and has made in the playoffs, uh, I think are important. Last thing, guys, I know you guys are talking about Celtics being scary, but my whole thing with the Warriors, the deeper they go, the danger, more dangerous they get. And, and, and question for you, J.D., if everybody's the season so scary, how come a lot of the NBA players are picking the Warriors to win the chip? So what do they know that, that uh, you guys don't know? All right, guys. Talk well, to you later. I appreciate it, Austin. I, I think they're, they're rolling with the team that's got the pedigree at this point. And, and rolling, I think, with exactly what you're saying, Austin, as far as the closer they get to it, the more they can taste it, in essence, the better they will play. Uh, but I think Boston is the biggest challenge that the Warriors will face. All right, we got a, we got a break here. We'll come back. 888-957-9570. More phone calls. We're also going to be joined by Mark Medina of NBA.com. He's coming up next right here on 95.7 The Game. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Screens for Poole here, takes a dribble, Poole for three, got it! 97-92, Dallas calls time! Now back to Warriors This Week on 95.7 The Game. John Dickinson and Whitey Gleason, we're rolling along here with you until 1 o'clock as the Warriors have a 2-0 series advantage now over the Mavs in the Western Conference Finals. Let's get to our first guest on the program, NBA writer for NBA.com, 
formerly of USA Today, and uh, covered the Warriors for the Mercury News as well. Uh, Mark Medina joining us here, old buddy on 95.7 The Game. Mark, thanks a lot for taking some time out. Hit you up with a little bit of short notice, and uh, we appreciate you being able to come on. J.D., well, you always know I always love talking uh, Warriors hoops with you, so I'm glad you reached out. Yeah, well, one of the one of the reasons we wanted to reach out and Whitey mentioned to this in our, our pre-show discussion is Kavon Looney and, and his game last night. And I know you wrote about Kavon uh, within the last week here, in the last few days, and just how he was able to just transform his body and become somebody that, that was able to play a, a lot of minutes and, and be a factor over the, the grind of a long season. Yeah, and it's not even just that. It's also all 82 games being one of five players to do this. And I think that this uh, was a really notable achievement of his because, as you guys know, he had been dealing with a lot of hip injuries earlier in his career. And, you know, look, he decided to attack the way he attacks his preparation, where after he missed 20 or he only played 20 games in 2019-20, he did um, more research into seeing, hey, why am I having all these stomach bugs and why am I having issues, you know, with my health? And, you know, he teamed up with a clinical nutritionist, and they basically found out that he had a lot of bad inflammation and a really bad gut. So even if he was, like, quote-unquote, eating healthy, and having a good diet, his stomach was, you know, being unresponsive to even healthier foods. So he was able to attack that. You know, he's been doing a lot of yoga, uh, think yoga. It's just more enhanced as well as Mai Tai training uh, in the last uh, year as well. And that's really helped with his mobility and range of motion and his overall strength. And as you guys saw last night, it's been paying off on both ends of the floor. Yeah, Mark, it's a really it's a fantastic piece. It's an incredible piece you wrote here, and we're we're thrilled to talk to you about it today. You, of course, have known JD a long time. I really didn't get to know you until that 2019-20 season, which I mentioned because, as you alluded to, for Kevon Looney, it was a lost season, as you detailed here. He only played 20 regular season games, and he had uh, abdominal soreness, and he had hip soreness, and the neuropathy, which was like, oh my goodness, that's nerves, what's going on? So was there legitimate doubt at that time, Mark? Maybe Kavon had some of that doubt himself as to whether he would be able to stay healthy enough to have an NBA career? Well, I, I think that he, you know, he had been adamant that he had always been uh, optimistic, but I think that, you know, there was a lot of questions to be raised because you, when you take uh, a step back before that 2019-20 season. After his first two years, you know, where he was dealing with injuries, it looked like he turned a corner. Remember, I believe it was 2017-18, the Warriors decided not to uh, guarantee a team option for the following year, and uh, that basically made him a free agent. And, you know, I talked with Bob Myers for this piece, and he conceded the reality that, you know, look, there's a lot of factors that that go into this decision, but, you know, he can see that health was part of that. And so at that point, he had proved, hey, he can be an NBA player. He's a value with the Warriors. They signed him multiple times in free agency. So for him to then have that 2019-20 season where he only played 20 games, um, it was a real red flag of, okay, like I had already overcome these issues. What's going on? And so – um, you know, those nerve issues that you brought up, 
the nutritionist that he saw determined, as well as the Warriors, that there was a relationship with that as far as his stomach issues, his gut issues. And so by him attacking his diet with not just eliminating the obvious, you know, sugary foods, but also eliminating some other meats uh, and vegetables that would normally be healthy, that really allowed his stomach to get back to where it should be. Um, and then, you know, as far as his other injuries, the following year he had an ankle injury, which wasn't too major, but I know that talking with him, he decided last summer, okay, I'm just going to nip everything in the butt here and do a lot of enhanced uh, Jogo workouts and Mai Tai workouts to improve my, you know, mobility and range of motion and, and do some prehab, as they call it. And, you know, he was very deliberative of going into the gym, you know, three, four days a week, but also knowing when there are days of feeling soreness of when to dial back. So he, I think, is a poster child of a really good role player of knowing not knowing not only how to work hard, but how to work smart. And, Mark, you, you touched Mark, on he, this, but... Go ahead, White. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, sorry, J.D., my apologies. How, how did he figure out that he needed to change his diet? It's interesting in the piece, and you touched on it, but, I mean, I don't think most of us would realize, wow, I'm having all this inflammation, maybe I have a bad gut. How did he ever come to that conclusion? Well, you know, thankfully he doesn't have to specialize in all this stuff. He, he teamed up with a nutritionist, David Allen. He's, uh, he's based in Woodland Hills in California in L.A., and so, you know, they did a lot of, you know, different tests, and they just determined uh, that, you know, his gut was an issue. And this was in conjunction with the Warriors. Like, as you guys know, the Warriors, you know, pay close tabs to what their players are doing and their investments. So it's not like he's prescribing him anything that's risky. You know, he was telling me, uh, you know, David Allen was telling me that every, you know, supplement that he prescribed – for Looney, you know, it, it had to pass the Warriors' rigorous testing so much that, you know, he was doing things six months in advance um, for when, you know, Looney would need to take certain supplements because, you know, the Warriors, as with any other NBA team, like they, you know, don't want their players just taking anything, right, uh, even if it's from a clinical expert. So, uh, yeah, Looney just consulted the right minds and then just listened to their feedback and, and went from there and changed his habits. And some of it, again, was the obvious, hey, let's reduce the sugar. But some of it was things that you don't think are bad, like not eating meat, not eating dairy, taking out nuts and cinnamon. So he basically became a pescatarian, you know, drank a cleanse shake that had a lot of, you know, vegan-based protein, and that really helped lower the inflammation and make him feel better. Mark Medina joining us here on 95.7 The Game. Uh, one thing that is always apparent when Warrior players speak about Kevon Looney or Steve Kerr speaks about Kevon Looney is just how genuinely happy they are for his success and, and for his achievements. How, how much of that, Mark, do you think is sort of the crossroads that, that he was at uh, within the last couple of years because of his health uh, and, and, and also so impact, you know, as impactful as he's been during these runs, even going back to 18 and 19. Yeah, I think it's all the above. His journey, his value to the team, the fact that he, he rolls with the punches and doesn't complain. Um, I mean, look, we all have known for a while that Kevon Looney 
is a really special player for what he does, right? Like he's a role player. No one's mistaken him for an all-star or anything, even if, you know, he was getting MVP chance last night. But he fulfills his job really well. But, you know, even before this outbreak uh, in game two or even his big game six in the closeout win against Memphis, uh, his rotation was getting very sporadic because that's just the nature of playoff basketball and the nature of how Steve Kerr um, – is trying to figure out with rotation. So there was a time where, you know, Kavan wasn't getting a lot of time specifically with Draymond Green because there was, I think, some genuine concern of, you know, the spacing issues and the lack of offensive punch that you would have, you know, otherwise if you went small. But, you know, I think at that point, you know, Draymond made a really good point that, look, we're having trouble making defensive stops. And we're not going to have trouble generating offense when we have so many great shooters and scores. So let's take care of the defense. And that's where Kavan, you know, entered and uh, entered into the picture and really made uh, significant contributions in a closeout win. You fast forward to game two and the same thing happened with him being a very instrumental part in them overcoming a double-digit deficit against the Mavs. Mark, what makes Kevon Looney such a good fit for the Warriors? Obviously, a guy who works hard and is selfless and is smart. He's going to be a pretty good fit anywhere, but he seems uniquely equipped to help the Warriors do things the way they want to do things. Why, why do you think that is? I think uh, it's his personality. Um, it's all, you know, that he really jibes with he wants to work hard and do the right things. He doesn't care about the limelight. And look, um, he doesn't need to be that guy because they have Steph Curry and Draymond Green uh, and Clay Thompson in the fold there. And so he's a guy that really accepts the hands that he's been dealt and that makes the best of the circumstances. He's also just really versatile. I mean, you look in the 2018 conference finals against the Houston Rockets, they're having him guard James Harden up at the top of the key and in ISO situations. And I remember talking to him at that point, like, what are you thinking about when you're on an island against James Harden? Keep in mind, this is the Rockets <laughs> version of James Harden. This isn't the Sixers version of James Harden that flamed down the playoffs, right? And he was saying, look, I get excited when I'm in those moments. I don't get nervous. Like, he embraces the challenge. And while no one's mistaking him for shutting down James Harden or any other player, he does a really good job in making them work and, you know, really generating good defensive philosophies. He allows Draymond Green the flexibility of being that roving defender because he knows Kevon can – uh, you know, really latch on to an individual assignment. And so I think that he is just this perfect guy that makes sure that the Warriors machine runs perfectly. And when it pertains to his future, look, he's going to be a free agent this summer. I'm sure teams will be interested in him. But in years past, he's always been handicapped to the Warriors because he just has this affection for them. And look, he knows that he has to do what's best for him from a cap perspective. But barring like this insurmountable deal that's just too hard to pass up, he's always going to have the loyalty to the Warriors because he knows that they develop him well. He knows he has a comfort level with the role that's being asked of him. And look, he's about winning championships. So it's a good recipe for all involved. Mark, final question for you. I know you also had a Q&A with Bob Myers within the last week, and the Warriors are, are in the midst of this run, and, and one of the secondary questions we were talking about a little bit in the first couple hours of the show is what happens if the Warriors win it? 
is there an added incentive to keep the band back together? How do you think the the prospect of that looks? And 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 it was a great piece. We encourage everybody NBA dot com uh, to check out the Q and A as well with Bob Myers. Just just his sense of enjoying the ride that the Warriors are on right now. Well, look, just to be transparent to you guys and the listeners, um, Bob was great, but you know, there, I think there uh, there was an understood arrangement. I, I don't want to say we agreed to questions or anything because that's not how I operate, but. It was under the understanding that, hey, we're not going to be talking about the off season or what moves we make. It's about, you know, reflecting on this season, right? Um, so I sure. can't fully answer what's ahead, but I know knowing how Bob Myers works um, and how Joe Lakeup is, uh, they're going to do everything to keep the band together. And, you know, look, they're spending over the cap, and there's only at some point there's a limit of what Joe Lakeup will tolerate. But, uh, I think the simple formula is this for the listeners, is that if there is a move uh, that helps them stay in the championship contention hunt, he's willing to spend. If it's a move that doesn't drastically move the needle, that's where the cost saving goes. So when you connect the dots about, okay, what does this mean for Jordan Poole and, uh, you know, Kavon Looney and Andrew Wiggins, like they're going to keep – those guys uh, short term. And then if it's a matter of they have to trade someone because, hey, they, they got to get under the cap, they'll do it, but it's only under the guise of if they can get a better deal in return. So I don't think Warrior fans should worry whether they win or lose. Are the Warriors going to then decide, hey, we value money over the roster? They're all always about trying to keep everything moving as long as that specific move. Uh, significantly factors whether they can stay in the championship hunt or not. Mark, great stuff as always, man. Really appreciate you coming on at short notice, and uh, we'll, we'll talk to you again soon here. Hey, thanks for having me as always, guys. Always love it. All right, Mark Medina joining us here on 95.7 The Game. couple of good pieces, the Q&A with Bob Myers and uh, how Kevon Looney revamped his body and mind to play all 82 games mm-hmm. for the first time as a pro from a couple of days ago. Uh, and Kavon making his biggest impact of the year, Whitey, in the playoffs. And not only in the playoffs, but we're talking conference semifinals, clinching games, and, and conference finals games where the Warriors are, are trying to take a 2 nothing advantage. He has been massive for this team. Yeah. Let me ask you this, J.D., and this gets back to something I think Bruce mentioned when he called – I was talking recently to a guy who's been in the NBA a long time. He'd been in the NBA for many years, involved in a number of things, including player personnel stuff. And we're just talking. But he said, we're talking about the Warriors, and he says, you know, I love Kevon Looney, but I don't know if he's really playing much on any other team, which I don't think I agree with, but I understand where he's coming from. But what, what do you think of that notion? Kevon Looney, we were just talking to Mark Medina, uh, Medina about it. Obviously, Kevon Looney is uniquely uh, skilled and qualified to help the Warriors do things the way they do things. But if Kevon Looney's on another team, which comes into players, we're talking potential free agency, do you think other teams would value him anywhere near as much as the Warriors do? I, I think a team that views themselves as a contender, especially in the Western Conference, should view him as somebody that, that could play, even, mm-hmm. even if it is a, a, a limited role, a 20 to 25-minute a night role. And I also think there's a value in taking – an important player from the Warriors away. And I think that was something that teams didn't really do to the Warriors a lot in 
the the five year run where they were getting to the finals every year. I know Houston maybe tried to take Looney away, but Looney wound up staying with the Warriors. Uh, the other part of it for me, as far as Looney goes, he he deserves a raise. Like pure, like you can say what you want about limited role, and and I know it was mm-hmm. a, it was a three year about fifteen million dollar yes. deal that that he wound up signing a little under fifteen, I think fourteen and a half, but. He he deserves a raise. Like he should probably be an eight million dollar a year player from where he is. And would the Warriors do that for another three years? I think is is the question versus maybe what another team would would have the potential to do. Isn't it funny to go back to that twenty nineteen year, which I know we don't like to do a lot, but you know, Kevon Looney struggled mightily, and you look at all the other people on that team, and who knew then that Looney and Jordan Poole would really be the two key pieces going forward that would contribute to the next Warrior team. And I know Steph was on the team, but he didn't play much. And JTA was on that team. But those would be the two key guys. Because remember, we thought, right? We thought Eric Paschal was a guy who had a really bright Warrior future. Yeah, and, and it, you looked, it looked like maybe he did at that point. But I think clearly it was more he was getting a lot of opportunities on a team that didn't have a lot of options. And, and Jordan Poole wasn't ready to be a big-time contributor even on that team at that point consistently. Right. So, yeah, I mean, uh, as as time went on, the Warriors, and that's where Bob Myers gets a lot of credit, they they picked and, and, and chose the right the right players to keep and the right players to move off of even though they tried to do a lot of different things to to be as good as they possibly could be even last year, even though it only worked out to the tune of the, the 39 and, and, and 33 record. So 888-957-9570. A couple of calls here before the top of the hour. Mark in San Francisco next here on Warriors This Week. Hey, Mark. Yeah, fellas, I wanted to get your take on a couple of items here. One of them is uh, Justinian Jessup is getting a lot of interest around the league. He's doing really well overseas, a knockdown three-point shooter. And also um, the fact that we have these young players that next year will be able to contribute will prolong uh, the NBA ability for Curry and, and Thompson and the older players to stay in the league longer if they want to keep playing basketball. No, I, yeah, I appreciate the call. I don't know what the Warriors would get from Justinian Jessup as far as as you know next year would go. I think it's kind of a year to year proposition there. But among the young players that the Warriors do project to have on their roster next year, uh, Moody looks like a rotation player. Kaminga definitely a rotation player. And then we'll have to wait and see on on James Wiseman. But I do think Wiseman Whitey relates back to the Kevon Looney conversation because. He is not going to be ready to be a starter at the beginning of next season. I, I think that we can pretty clearly say by the end of the year, hopefully, maybe by the beginning of the following year. But but James Wiseman is not going to be a plug and play starter come October for the Warriors. No, and as far as Jessup goes, I mean he's in Australia, right? And he's his numbers have come up, and the Warriors are keeping tabs on him. But I don't think he's, you know, it's more a matter of, hey, let's keep an eye on that guy. Who knows? I don't think that he's necessarily considered a top prospect by anybody. He's a player of interest, I would put it that way. Nice to have, uh, given where they drafted him, what he, he was picked number 51 overall. So I, I, I don't think he's necessarily part of their plans. He's just a nice piece to have, and you'll see how he plays there. Uh, because we know we, we have seen some good players come out of the Australian Basketball League, but I don't think they're count- I don't think he's necessarily part of their future. They'd love for him to play his way into that, but right now I don't think he's he's part of that equation. Five one zero on the Xfinity Mobile text line here. Wouldn't be surprised if the Lakers try to nab Looney. 
LeBron-era Lakers love picking up ex-Warriors McKinney, Quinn Cook, DeMarcus Cousins, Kent Bazemore. Uh, This person adds, really hope Warriors can keep Looney, but if he gets the bag, would be ecstatic for him, too. I think uh, everybody (laughs) would be ecstatic. Yeah, yeah. For, yeah, yeah. would, would be ecstatic. Go ahead. Really Ryan. quickly, if I could, J.D., I'm sorry. Going back to even before we talked to Mark Bendina, we had Austin called in, and he kind of called us out on something. I just want to – I know we want to get back to the phones. Yeah. Austin was saying, hey, why are you guys – and he specifically was going after you a little bit. He's like, well, you, you say Boston, the, the Boston's so good, but so all the players are picking the Warriors, so what do the players know that, that you don't know? Well, neither you nor I said the Warriors can't beat Boston, right? We're not even there yet. We That's both true. said – we said Boston's really good. I think they'd be the best team the Warriors would play. And you said, I think the Warriors might be in danger of losing that series. So neither of us, we're not even there yet, but neither of us are coming out saying, oh, the Warriors can't play with the Celtics. We're just saying, and correct me if I'm wrong, J.D., I think Celtics would be the best team the Warriors have played, and I think it could be a heck of a series because Boston's really, really good. That's all I'm saying. Without a doubt, and, and we'll get into that, I think, in, in more depth at, at the top of the hour. I do want to sneak in one more call here, but I appreciate you bringing that up, Whitey, and I, I do think it's something we can we can definitely get into uh, as we reset everything and, and get into the final two hours of the show. I want to get Paul and San Jose in here, though, before we pause. Paul, waiting patiently, and we appreciate it. You're on uh, Warriors this week on 95.7 The Game. Hey, Paul. Hey, how's it going? Uh, you guys brought up um... – Nine guys for the Celtics. We got nine guys. And what do you think about um, Crawford was on the late show last night? Six-man, three-time six-man winner. Can he mentor Poole to be the six-man leader? And then if you put Clay on the second round, you can put Moody that they put in last night, and now you have two full-caliber rotations that you guys can run. Appreciate the call. Whitey, I'll give you the last word on this. Uh, Yeah, Jamal Crawford was on last night with Bonte and the gang. And um, I I just right now, I don't think that Jordan Poole needs any mentoring. Obviously, any player can benefit from, you know, what you hear from players who've done it in the past. But Jordan Poole right now, that's not an issue anymore. Can he be the sixth man? Does he want to be? Can he adjust to that? That's not an issue because he's handling that uh, on the brightest stage in the biggest games. That That is not a problem going forward. All right, he's Whitey Gleason. I'm John Dickinson, 888-957-9570. I, I'm with you. I don't think he needs mentoring. I do think he, he may have to come to grips with, hey, you're going to get a major raise. You're mm-hmm. going to be a finishing player for us, especially in the regular season. But you're also probably going to have to be a sixth man that, that will get starts if Clay Thompson gets load managed and will get starts if Steph Curry gets nights off or goes down. Uh, I think him being a combo one-two really helps in in that sense to where he'd be a bench player, but he would also, Whitey, be getting a lot of starts for both of those players that wouldn't project to be playing all 82. So we're halfway through here, two hours down, two hours to come. Gary St. Jean at 1230. It's Warriors this week at 95.7 The Game. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 